Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. gentlemen and welcome to getting it out podcast that was end with gaping wounds of earth that's the first single from their upcoming full length the sin of human frailty coming out october 27th via closed casket activities of course this is what some people consider to be a super group featuring will putney brendan murphy gregory thomas jay pepito and matt guglielmo and you are welcome to call it whatever you want. I call it pretty awesome. I really enjoyed their first record and their split with Cult Leader. So I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of this. But for now, Gaping Wounds of Earth will have to hold me and you over. If you want more of the band, they'll be heading out on tour with Full of Hell, Inner Arma, and Wake on October 26th. That's the day before the record drops. So if you just wait a little bit longer, one to two months more, let's say two months more, you can have all the end that you want. If you want to hear 
learn, know more about the band, go to their website, yourfuckingend.com. On this episode of the podcast, it is the return of incantation, but this time John McEntee didn't come by himself. He brought his bass player, lyricist, and a concept guy, Chuck Sherwood. Uh, we're going to talk all about the new record, Unholy Deification, out this week. But first, let's listen to Hot Zone. Check it! Kid one of two goes back to school today, back to school day, back to school week. It's upon us. I've seen other people's kids going back to school. Maybe your kids are back to school. Maybe you're like mine. You have one going back, one not quite yet. Maybe both of yours, maybe it's all six of yours never leave home and you homeschool my home. That's usually the case when you have six is you're a homeschooler and a little weird, but you know, teach their own and to those people, they're Amish. You know, Amish people don't homeschool, though. They go to, they go to a little building, typically. And uh, one time, I remember a tragedy struck. This is not a joke. This is not funny, either. I remember a, a, a school was shot up here in Lancaster. Nickel Mines was shot up by a crazy pedophile. A child molester went and shot up. He released the boys and held the women, the girls, captive. And then bound them and shot a couple of them or something. It was a strange story. Uh, probably 2005, 2006, I want to say. I remember learning about it as I was sitting in my first office job. And it was craziness. And uh, hopefully none of that happens to the Amish ever again, as much as I dislike them. I don't want their children to get shot up. Anyway, enough about school shootings. As I was talking about at the beginning of school, that's cool. I remember the one year my mom took me to Pacific Sunwear. This is before it was Pac Sun. Thank you very much. And uh, I was able to buy skateboarding t-shirts and maybe a pair of Etnies because they were like 20 bucks. Uh, never a pair of Jenkos. She would never allow that to happen. But it was the only summer where I felt like I was going in with some cool gear. And I probably wore those clothes for the rest of my high school career and probably into college. Definitely an Etnies t-shirt. There was a creature skateboard shirt that looked like a comic book. I don't know. It was a uh, independent trucks shirts. You know, hey, look, and I skated too, so I wasn't posing. Don't be a poser. Don't go to Pack Sun, get all the gear, and then not skate. If you're wearing those cargo shorts, there better be wax in the pockets. You know what I'm saying? Better have some wax residue behind. I need to see you at least try to grind. Do an ollie. Actually, you know, do a kickflip. That's how we know you're the real deal. Still to this day, nobody would disagree with that. Anyway, the real deal in death metal is incantation they've been around for a long time is it 40 years is it 30 years no one's keeping track and they've got a new record called unholy deification it's probably like their 18th maybe it's 16th maybe it's 17th maybe it's 13th i think it's 13th actually we talked about that that's a lot of numbers that's a lot of albums and this one is excellent i'd say a little bit better than the last one sect of vile divinities which i thought was just fine itself you know what incantation sounds like but in case you might have forgotten, this one's called Homunculus Spirit Made Flesh 9. And then my conversation with John and Chuck of Incantation. 
here. I do know that typically album concept and lyrics, Chuck, you do handle a lot of that for incantation, right? Yes, sir. And of course, John, you're the one saying it all, though. You're the voice of it, right? Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm the voice. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so it's cool. It's it's great to great to have you both here. And uh, but this, I guess, this question doesn't totally apply to you, Chuck. I'm kind of laughing at myself that I wrote it down. This happened to me earlier today at work. I was just touching my beard, and something about it hurt. Do you know what I'm talking about, John? Do you experience the beard pain? Do I beard pain? Just a sort yeah. of beard? yeah. I don't think so. If anything, it just gets itchy after a while, you know. <laughs> so back, back in the day, I had the dirt and everything going, and yeah, my goatee actually used to like sting my chin. Like I would move yeah. the hairs, and I felt like it was like yeah, like a pain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was today. Yeah. You know, I keep it pretty. I keep it pretty tight. But uh, something about it today, I just grabbed it and like, what the fuck is that? What, what is this? So I need to talk to some beard guys about well, some beard I, things. I, I, I'm I, sitting I, around middle aged women all day at work. Before. Yeah, it's like, oh, what's that? Oh, shit. That's weird. Okay. An an errant particle. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. All right, guys. Um, So I don't want to talk to you about uh, beard pain, but I do want to talk to you about the new record, Unholy Deification, Relapse Records, August 25th. I think I got the date right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. The 13th album seems like a significant number for a metal band to hit is it it wasn't until people told us it was the 13th album i don't think any of us even thought about it you know it's like the last thing on our minds when creating an album is what number album it is so (laughs) i certainly Um, would not have counted (laughs) so yeah um yeah i mean Let's just if we would have known beforehand, I could have said, yes, it's really significant to us. Um, You know, we did it in the practice room. We had 13 candles blazing, writing the songs and, you know, very Bathory of us, wasn't it? Yes, exactly. So, (laughs) no, but really it's to us, whatever. It's it's another album. I mean, it's important. Each album that we do is just super important to us. So it's just, you know, everything, you know, there's nothing I would say it was different as far as, you know, oh, fuck, it's the 13th album. We better make this one good. <laughs> it's like if we need that excuse to make the album good. We're fucked. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no. For us, it's just it. it's really great because the album is very um I just, I just like the vibe of it. I like the organic vibe of it. I like the heaviness, I like the sludge of the new album. I think it's the perfect answer to what we did on SEC because I think SEC en- ended up coming out a little more polished of an album. And um, I was really uncomfortable with it myself. And I think I think we all were, but I obviously I speak for myself when I say I was uncomfortable with the sound of SEC being so polished because I, I – I just feel more comfortable in a a more um, muddier, dirtier, grittier kind of sound and stuff for the band. So, you know, I think it was all of our um, opinions, but I was speaking for again for myself. I really wanted to make sure that this album had that rough edge to it, you know, had a good production, something you could turn up loud and listen to on a stereo. But at the same time, you know, have that grit. That is an S, you know, essential part of the band. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with the way it came out. I know it sounds um, like you're supposed to say that with every new album, but this one, I'm just really happy with um, the vibe of the songs. I'm happy the collaboration that the band had on the album. And I feel really good about the production. So there's like, you know, of course I'm, I'm psyched about it because for me, I feel like all the cards really fell together in a, in a great way. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to hear. And I, I'd agree definitely about the sludginess, the uh, more grimy sound you got on here, which, you know, I think is I think is a good thing as far as incantation goes. Like we talked about before we were recording here, last time we talked was three years ago, and that was right when you were releasing Sect of Vile Divinities. Did I get the name right? Is that how was yes. that what it was? Sect of Indeed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yes, you got um, it. Yep. And uh I mean I remember talking about how it how it was selling well, it sold it was selling out in pre-order and seemed to be going great. Yeah. But I I have to imagine you didn't really have the opportunity to promote it in the way that you could have. I don't remember what tours happening. Were you able to hit the road? Well, we hit not, the road not at first. Later. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we put it out. It was in 2000, uh, what, August. And then, fuck, we didn't play our first show for it until the end of 2021, I think it was. Mm. We yeah. played a couple shows in Mexico. And then, um, yeah, then we kind of, we just decided that we were going to take uh, 2022 and dedicate that to touring for the sect of all divinities album, because it did do so well for us. Um, you know, we wanted to play out those songs and do, you know, our sect of all divinities set. So we, yeah, we took 2022 for, for that. And then beginning of uh, 2023 or at the end of 2022, we released the Tricennial and blasphemy uh, compilation. So, this year we've been doing some touring for that and some touring, you know, still a little bit of sect touring, but mostly um, 30th anniversary stuff besides the decibel um, diabolical conquest set. So we've been keeping super busy and we tried to hit as much as we could with the sect of all divinities album. But at the same token, we didn't want to, you know, take forever because you know, we did have this album waiting in the wings. We wanted to, release this because you know you record the album you don't want to wait fucking forever to release this stuff so sure um and we're really happy with it i mean and this is i think this album for me is is a a better album than sect i mean not that Sect's a terrible album but this one just satisfies all my personal wants and needs and everything that you know i i really like about playing in the band Chuck, do you do you feel the same way? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, uh, it was uh, to our original impression, it was an inopportune time to have it released during a pandemic. But the thing is, is that it's uh, overwhelmingly positive response was enough to where it deserved the uh, stage time that we gave it. Uh, I mean, granted, it was delayed, but, you know, there's nothing um, nothing but positive from it. So I I'm kind of shocked at that, to be honest, because I mean, we are our worst critics. And I think that, uh, you know, I think we all collectively were kind of just more in awe at the fact that it was received as it was as it was. So with this, you know, we have more of like, uh, the ambitious qualities that we were trying to portray when writing this now are finally being surfaced two years later. And it's just a, a, I really hope that, uh, I hope that this one is received the same way. Uh, actually, even more so, to be honest, because how you know strongly we feel about it. 
uh, we're very proud of this one. I'm, I'm actually, uh, you know, John's re, you know, repeated himself as much as I have now in the course of doing all these interviews and the like, but it's the, you know, the chemistry of the four of us playing is such a joy that, uh, there's like a, a seamless and egoless situation when creating music. And it just makes over abundant amounts of, uh, of material that we still are, uh, are, you know, going to be using for the next few years ahead of us. Hmm. It's, um, it's great. And, uh, I'm just really uh, amped to see this thing come out. That's very cool. With you, with you guys being uh, in different locations, how does it, how does writing for or assembling songs or how does the process work now for incantation? Yeah. Oh, um, I mean, going back to the pandemic aspect and everything, everybody's fear of flying and everybody's fear of like human interaction and the like was actually to our benefit. Um, you know, maybe we took, uh, you know, a little bit more extra risk by doing so, but we met up once a month and, uh, you know, being separated by, you know, Pennsylvania, Ohio, North Carolina, that we found the halfway point being at Kyle's house, who also has the accessibility to recording and the like that we were able to write tablature, make demo versions of, you know, uh, copious amounts of material. And that ended up getting distributed in a lot of different fashion, like, you know, not just for unholy deification, but we also had like the blood incantation split. And we also have, uh, a, you know, a slew of material that's actually going to be used for the future. And, um, it's all due to the fact that we were able to organically meet and write, you know, together as a band. Yeah. And, uh, that kind of stuff is, uh, you know, a lot of people file trade right now and, you know, and, uh, they never even see one another. I mean, I was in a, a side project where I'd still have not met two of the guys yet at all. Like I don't even, I passed them in the street and have no idea who they were. Yeah. Uh, but right. for, you know, for us, it's like, you know, it's also we're friends, you know, and we enjoy the time that we spend with one another. So, you know, it's not just party party, but after uh, the work's done, yeah, sure. We, you know, crack open the bottles and start having a good time too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> that kind of chemistry is something that, uh, you know, I think we all really are uh, pleased with, and this album's you know a testament to that. Yeah, that, that's funny because I, I did the Tribe of Pazuzu project, and um, you know we I did the album. I didn't even know who was going to be playing on the album until after I did my parts, and then it ended up being um, Flo from Cryptopsy playing drums on it, and it's like I don't know Flo. I mean, I know a lot of people in the scene, but he's like one of the people I just never really like, I'm, I think I met him once or twice, but I don't even know the guy, but I'm on an album with him, um, yeah. you know, kicking ass was cool, but it's also strange, you know, like I way more prefer being able to hang out with the band and, you know, get the whole vibe of the band. And, you know, it's like like getting to practice is you know like kind of what chuck was saying i think is it was a fun time to work on stuff but also just to hang out and reconnect with everybody which is you know a totally awesome thing and you know of course we're going to write some stuff at home to some extent but nothing really gets like you know finished or done until you know, we all get into the room and jam on the song as much as possible and try to get the pro proper vibe for the song because, you know, the, everything has to be the vibe of all of us together. That makes it makes it good. You know, a song could start off with a good basic concept of it. But once everyone tosses in all their ideas and everything, it really, um, really makes things like over the top. Amazing. I mean, it, 
every time someone's contribute, you know, contributes to the songs, it's just like, ah, oh, fuck yeah, that's great, that's awesome, that's even better, you know. Yeah. That, yeah. It's like even sometimes when the idea is a little different than what maybe say I was originally thinking for the riff, just hearing um, what other people's interpretations are of it, it's like huh, that's even better than my idea I had, you know, that's awesome. It's so great to have that um, vibe playing with people and writing with people. Yeah, this I'm, this album is like that through and through, to be honest. Yes. Yeah. I'd imagine you two have to collaborate pretty, like more than everybody else, right? Being that Chuck, you're doing the lyrics and John, you're singing them. Sure. But I mean, there's still involvement from uh, both Luke and Kyle, especially when it came sure. to, uh, you know, uh, between the four of us, you know, translating and arranging syncopation, timing, uh, all of that stuff is everybody's involvement, really. I mean, John and I had had a couple of sessions where we, you know, we hammered through things, but was it the entirety? Certainly not. I mean, Kyle yeah. really did help an awful lot, you know, when it came to the arrangements and timing and things of that nature. And it's like, you know, my writing scheme in particular is in my head and one in one fashion but we don't really know exactly what song it's going to go to so by the time that we're you know hammering the two of them together now everybody gets their hands in there and that kind of stuff yeah. is uh it, it's beneficial because it's not just on the musical and the writing aspect of it too but it's also on the lyrical content as well so you know every step of the way i think it's really been a collective effort yeah everyone's ideas are important to the uh situation i mean you know i can look at it one way and I'll think, okay, this way works and makes sense to me. But then, you know, I don't know, Kyle, he always comes up with these parts. And a lot of times he'll come up with something that's, you know, the vocals are falling in in a different place. And it's like, oh, wow, that's really cool. That's like, yeah. and for me, it's fun to do because it's like, oh, awesome. Let's try to do it in a, in a different way than what is my, say, default or the part I came up with or, or whatever. Because it all works you know, because we all are invested in it. We all, it's, it's a very comfortable, trustworthy environment of working together because we all respect each other and stuff. And, you know, even if people have strong opinions on something like that, we're still able to, um, you know, work things out and come to conclusions that are good for everybody, which makes for uh, a great album because, you know, it's it's not supposed to be just okay these are the songs everyone just sits you know get in line just play it the way it's supposed to be no it's like everybody's input is important to make the album great and that's why when the album does well or even when it doesn't do well we're finished with it we all could feel like we're a part of it and we are a part of it because you know it that would not be the same if it was just one of us saying this is how we want everything to be it's all it's a collaboration mm -hmm. um and it I'm emphasizing it because a lot of bands these days are not a collaboration. They're just, there's one guy, he writes all the stuff and everyone just gets in line and kind of does their parts or whatever. And I don't know. I think it's, um, you know, if you want to do it, if you, someone wants to do a solo band, that's good. Do a solo band. But I want to be in a band with people that I'm friends with that were are talented and have good ideas and we have a fun time creating awesome stuff. Well, they, speaking of this, just collaboration, um, you've got a couple guests, a few guests on this record. How how are those decisions made? Well, I kind of made a decision myself, I guess. I mean, I told the guys that I wanted to do this chant part, and they were 
all thought it was a cool idea, you know, so I just kind of put it together myself and I was hope for the best that it wasn't mm-hmm. going to suck, you know. I mean, we had super talents on there, so I didn't think it would be a problem, but you never know until it's done. But I think it came out great. And luck- luckily, the rest of the band wasn't against it. But, yeah, I mean, you know, having Jeff Bezerra do it was something – uh, I think it was special for all of us, you know, but to be honest with you, I was very kind of, you know, it was a little bit selfish on my part where I really wanted to have um, one of the people that really inspired me early on um, be a part of it. So Jeff was a no brainer, but I think across the board, everyone, you know, is going to be happy with it because he is basically the, um, you know, point one of where death metal really started to take off and really started to take shape so it's a great thing and of course you know honored to have him as a friend of the band and stuff too but um then also i thought it'd be cool to have henry veggie in who was the original oh i was in revenant with back in the day and we he he you know i joined their band revenant at that time and I learned a lot from Henry and Henry really gave me the tools I needed to start the band incantation. So um, I figured it'd be a good thing to, you know, have him involved with it. So we, you know, he's on it. And then um, Dan Vladivon is our touring bass player and he's been kicking ass with the band a lot, um, you know, filling in for Chuck when Chuck can't do stuff. So it just seemed like, well, it's cool. You know, Dan's here. Let's get him on it too. Um, you know, so it just kind of all worked out um, great. And then uh, I think it also says Luke ha- has some um, vocals in there, too. And I have some vocals in there, too, mixed together. So it's really, um, you know, a kind of cool little different thing than what we um, have done in the past, um, you know, which is always good to have something a little special in there, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't recall ever hearing a gang gang vocal portion ever in the discography of Incan. So, what better way than to have, uh, you know, the people that uh, you know that you chose? Because uh, you know, Jeff Becerra is an influence to all of us. You know, and you know, Dan Vadim Vaughn, like he's he's exceptional. You know, he's he's done a great. You know, with you know his vocals. Actually, I never even heard before, and they were fantastic. So, yeah, it's uh, it, it's great to have his involvement too is so it's uh you know it might have been on your own but uh it was met with no uh no uh resistance yeah that was uh that was a really great idea <laughs> cool awesome. it's cool it's a nice touch because a lot of times you know you get the you get the guest vocals or whatever the, the guest musicians it's kind of just like a star power thing you know not always you know, but, yeah, but a lot of a lot of records it'll just be like well let's I don't know. Let's have the big names from all the bands. I was really intrigued seeing uh, Revenant on there because I know that's that's you spent time with them in the past, and I thought that was a cool inclusion. And the way yeah, it's, it's, them not, it's, it's not just about trying to flaunt the star yeah. power. We wanted to do something that was more personal and mm-hmm. more, um, you know, something we felt was the right thing to do. Um, you know, and we did, and, and it's a chant part. It's not like we're having them sing lines in the song or anything. It's not really a duet or anything. It's not trying to, you know, milk out the, um, you know, the name droppingness of anything or whatever, you know, it's yeah. just, I mean, a lot of people might not even really notice it unless they read the liner notes, what it is, but it, it means a lot to us as a band and stuff. And that's, you know, 
that's why we do stuff is because it means something to us. It's not just about, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's, I know some people, they want to, you know, they have a guest vocalist and like the main part of their band promotion is the fact they had guest vocals on the (laughs) album. And it's like, I sure hope that the main reason why people are buying your album is not because of the guest vocal um, part. They should be buying it because they like your vocals, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. Well, speaking of vocals, this is like a little over 10 years of you handling the vocals, right, John? Uh, Almost 20 years since I started. Almost 20 years. Oh, I went, yeah, I'm going back to 2012, 2002, right? Is that when it starts? Yeah, it was about 2002, 2003. 2002 was when I started uh, practicing doing vocals. And 2003, I think, if I remember correctly, was the first live show I did with vocals, which was like a a three-show run in Mexico. Um, It was kind of like my test run on vocals. And that was, yeah, that was early 2003. And, um, since then, I've just been struggling at it until I got good, I guess. <laughs> no, I think I think you you clearly have 20 years of experience now. You sound you sound great on it. Um, what I, of course, Chuck, I'm glad you're here for this because you, I'm sure you could anticipate I was gonna or I'm sure everybody's doing it gonna say this track list looks like chaos to me. What is happening here with the <laughs> <laughs> two names for every song and then out of order Roman numerals? What is going on? <laughs> it's a formula no um so what (laughs) so the uh do you want the like the description of the album itself like uh conceptually yeah tell me tell me tell me the whole deal yeah give them the the whole deal yeah um so it's an apotheosis essentially in uh, multiple stages uh so song by song is derived from ritual magic so each chapter is pertinent to the overall concept and a journey for the listener along the stages of development of a mortal into a celestial so it's like a man becoming a god uh from summoning a spectral guide banishments words of power appeasing elemental forces sacrifices ritual circles altars the whole deal um utilizing male and female quantity uh, qualities to produce like a homunculus that would embody a deity uh, grave and feared worshipped and ultimately a dominant force all, over all life and death uh, being in stark contrast ethically to other known religion, religions it's just evil incarnate and the uh, you know the chapter orders of the Roman numerals being in a different order is how uh, an individual that buys the physical media would be able to read it as essentially like a book. So there's actually two ways to listen to the album. Um, when you saw that the single came out for Concordat, um, that is the first chapter. So that is that individual who's tired of subsisting on life and ethics and belief systems and wants to you know surpass all of this. And he summons a spectral entity, and between the two of them bleeding, they create a uh, double helix. And that is the building blocks of, of this now unlife. And as you journey throughout the course of the album, he progresses to the point of people worshiping and sacrificing to him, making idols and, you know, and so on and so forth, and to everything that exists must pass through him to die. And so that is you what you see on the cover. So okay, all right. So it ties in with the cover art too. That's it is, that's a very cool cover. I like I like that. I like about the cover that I can't quite make it out. You know yes, what I mean? And like that's the whole point. You yeah, know, it's pretty, like it has so many elements of so many different things. Like the second se- uh, the second single that came out of Homunculus talks about all of the different um, um, beings that encompass this creature. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and Sith uh, is a god. It doesn't have to have a, a specific shape. You know, it's it's, sure. it's just a a being. It's its own kind of being. You know, maybe yeah. probably surassing what um, you know we could comprehend even. Right, right. It's yeah, like, no, I like uh, it. almost I like a. It. Almost amorphic in a sense, too, because you can see that there is elements of claws and tails and wings and, you know, features that would be predominant in any kind of like demon or god form. But this one is different. And, uh, you know, for the listener now to listen to uh, offerings starting off the album, now you can listen to it in a musical aspect to where the, the entire flow of that album is going to hear how we wanted to present it. But then if someone is interested and digs a little deeper into it, you can realign those Roman numerals and play it as such that way too, which has a completely different feel from people that have actually done it. So like I always, I often will get on the whole sequencing thing with, with people about their albums and, you know, is, is, was sequencing important here? And it sounds like there's like, there's obviously two different ways to look at it. And uh, I mean, you just said that basically, but that's, that's, that's really interesting. I've never heard that before. The order, the order of the song, the music part of it is the sequence that we put on the album. Yeah. And then the concept, because it just, the way it came together, it, it just worked in a way where the sequence of the album for us worked better than the sequence of the, um, you know, the story or whatever, but we still wanted to keep the integrity of the story. And yeah, like, like repeating, I guess what Chuck says is that it's good because giving people the Roman numerals gives people a template on how they could listen to it. Like, you know, some of our more diehard fans are really in- interested in the, um, you know, the weeds of the band or whatever have something to um, another way to experience the same album, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, I do. I think I think that's very cool too. And I do know I know you got a you've got a lot of good fans out there. I see them in comments on your stuff, and and uh, it's just funny, funny in a good way. You know, not funny, ha ha, yes. but funny to see how oh, many people great. are so enthusiastic about the band, and that's that's great. Yeah, yeah I, I love uh, that when a particular story or a concept or something like that ends up surfing to the right individual that, you know, without any explanation whatsoever, they actually get it. And that kind of happens far and few between. But I think for this one, it's so blatantly obvious that I'm trying to help promote it in such a fashion to where people will then, you know, choose their way of listening to it. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Whereas if like you have one particular song and you hear it and then they make up their own interpretation where, you could find the source material, but then I would have to be explaining every single time. So you take what you. Oops. Do we just lose him? Okay. He's gone. But what, <laughs> what, um, one thing I think is good about the, um, you know, having the two versions of the album, hopefully will uh, give people an incentive to listen to the full album and try to uh, follow that instead of just being a passive listener and just listening to whatever, you know, singles we put out and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think it's a good, it's, it's a good thing to encourage people to, uh, you know, enjoy, enjoy the way it was meant to be uh, listened to as a full album one way or the other. But these, these will say all 10 of these songs are meant to be listened to together. They're not, they're not individual. Uh, they're, I mean, they're individual songs, but they're all part of one thing that is important 
you know, we we really value the full album experience, even though a lot of people don't listen to it that way. It's still important to us to have a well-rounded album that takes you on a journey. And it's kind of cool to have an album that takes you on two separate journeys with the same album. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. And I, and I agree about yeah. the, I, I, that's how I want to consume most every type of music record. I want it as the full album. Sometimes I want a quick like blast of hardcore yeah. on a seven inch. Right. But other times, yes. I, you know, but other times I, 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 I want the full One album. thing I, I, I hear a lot too, is that bands want to, uh, bands talk about, well, we're just going to release singles because, you know, we put on an album and everything gets ignored on the album except for the singles or whatever. I've heard a lot of uh, musicians, mostly in the more commercial era of, of music, and I just, I just, I can't agree with that. I mean, I don't, I'm not against singles. I'm not against having EPs and stuff like that, but it's like, there's, I still believe that an album is, you know, a whole piece of work that should be, it's like, it should be enjoyed. It's like the picture of like, we'll say, even when we have to pick out a song, this like the three songs that relapse wants is our singles. It's like, it's very difficult to pick out the songs because there's three songs don't make up the whole album. So people aren't getting a real idea of the whole vibe of the whole thing. They're just getting these snippets and they might think like, you know, I hear song a, and this is what the band is. No, it's part of what the band is. It's not what the whole album is. So I think it's important, um, you know, to listen to, at least our albums as a full. And I, I like to listen to other bands as a full album too. I don't like the fact of bands just putting out singles and then just putting out an album full of um, just assorted tracks from the singles or whatever. I think it waters it down to some extent. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, uh, if you do everything in two, you know, two song snippets uh, by way of like seven inches and everything, you know, will they always expect that? Can you never expand upon anything? Uh, and if you make magnum opuses all the time of like two and three, you know, disc albums, you're going to bore everybody to tears too. So there's got to be a happy True. medium in which you can, you know, acknowledge and, you know, enjoy it, you know? So uh, this one in particular, I would say that, uh, you know, listening to it as a whole is a necessity because there's two different ways of listening to it in its entirety. So uh, I hope that people enjoy it. I think they will. And I think more people are going to know about it now. Sorry, this is maybe an awkward transition, but I want to talk about it because as I just saw today, I believe it was just announced today that you guys are on the next uh, cover of Decibel Magazine for the October issue, which is something I love. I, I love that fucking magazine so much. I have for years. And it, that's just a really cool thing to see you guys on the cover of that. Um, is that the first time on Decibel? Yeah, mm -hmm. first time on Decibel. Yeah, exactly that. So what I wanted to ask you then is like, I have these music magazines, metal magazines that I loved as oh, my whole life. So for you, for you guys, what was, what were the metal magazines, the publications that you kept coming back to? Fuck. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, as a, as a kid, I mean, or as a teenager, I mean, I don't know, it would just be like, what? If it was regular magazines, it'd be like Hit Parade or a Circus or something in the yeah, 80s. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. you know, at a certain point, it got, I really got into just like assorted fanzines and stuff like that, you know, from all over the world. That really became my um, kind of go to. 
But, um, you know, of course, things like uh, Terrorizer, Mag, Decibel, um, you know, it's Artishock, a, SOD. Yeah. I mean, you know, Pit. Pit. Yeah. I mean, there was mm-hmm. so many, so many great ones that were doing great stuff for the scene. So, you know, we're always chuffed on, um, you know, anytime we get to be a part of, you know, a publication like that. And of course, it's a great honor to have the cover of Decibel Magazine. I mean, you know, not a lot of bands get that honor and there's only so many choices a year. And it just was really awesome that um, they felt that our um, story of the band was um, important enough to, um, you know, put as a cover story because, you know, when I spoke to them about it, it was just, they just said that it was, you know, it was that something they really wanted to do because they really felt like, um, you know, we really earned it and that there's a bubbling up with our band and stuff that, you know, for them not to do it is to almost ignore what's, you know, the reality of what's really going on in the underground, which I thought was really nice to hear uh, from them, you know, because they wanted to do it out of an, an integrity um, reason not just, you know, because I'm friends with them or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, a, it's a very humbling it's experience because the, even the spread in of itself that's going to be in the magazine gives a much uh, deeper dig into this release. And I think it'll shed a little bit more light on things because we really scrutinize every single song. And mm-hmm. it'll be, you know, a capital read for anybody that has any interest in the album. You're going to get more out of it by reading the article. Yeah, and I think people that might not, um, you know, might of casually know about us will be able to really um, get a better idea of what what we're really all about as a band, you know, because, you know, th- these days there are there's so many like, pe- people know the band and mm-hmm. things are always doing well, you know, do well with the band now. But there's still a lot of people out there that probably just heard of us that know about us, but don't really know the, um, you know, the details or really what our contributions are to the uh, death metal world, you know, to some extent. Yeah. And I think that's, that's such a thing with, uh, with the variety and depth of the underground. I mean, it's so vast and and as the years go by, it's only getting deeper because there's obviously just more out there. And like, I I feel like I myself have done, and I'm going to pat myself on the back, like an incredible job of keeping up with everything and all these subgenres. And there's still so much stuff that, I miss there's still there's still like you know big bands in several of the genres that I love that I I only know a little bit about I only know it in passing and I think when Decibel does things like this gives uh, a spotlight on a band like Incantation who's been around and is it deserving of it it's it's only beneficial for everybody to you guys for the people who've never really looked into it so I'm excited to get that and read that along with you know along with having the new album come out yeah, it's really great. And yeah. the scene, the, yeah, the scene now is definitely, like you said, congested uh, as fuck. It just, there's just so many, so many bands out now. It was a little different back then, even when there was a lot of bands in the tape trading days and stuff, but it still seemed like it was somewhat manageable. It's like now it's, it's so not manageable. There's so much stuff out there. So <laughs> to get this kind of spotlight is definitely a, uh, an awesome thing because, you know, sometimes, you know, people need a little bit of nudge to be like, you know, 
pay attention is this is happening and it, you know you might not notice it's happening i mean it happens to me i know mm-hmm. there's bands that i'm just like where the hell does this come from like you know yeah. it's like i follow the yeah. scene pretty good you know I, i'm out there touring and there's still bands that you know like wow this is really good and i didn't even know about this mm-hmm. yeah it's um sometimes it could be even a couple years after the fact regardless of when you you know when your exposure is or how long your tenure is by the time you actually do find it and you, you know when you found it, sure. it change you. Yeah, it's killer. Yeah, it's just several examples. And a lot of times uh, what I've always was helped me a lot with a lot of different artists. And, and I'm talking on a broad spectrum is context. And so, like there's been certain certain bands that I never gave a shit about that I'll read I'll read about and get the context of their music in their art in the process. And then it changes the way I hear them completely. And, and I think that's, that's what an opportunity, this, you know, presents an opportunity like that. Yeah. Music, music's always an interpretation. And sometimes there's good bands that come out, but they just come out and they hit you at a time when you're not ready for it, or you're not understanding of what it is. But then at a later point, it just seems to make sense. I mean, that happens a lot it would with a lot of bands and a lot of bands i like and stuff i have the first listen or whatever you're kind of like hmm i don't know you know maybe it's not my cup of tea but then you understand and you're like oh, okay i get it it's it's really cool what they're doing you know for sure and you know interestingly i also think that it i don't think it often goes the other way there i mean there's exceptions sure but i think usually if there's something that you like you don't lose total interest in it because then you have like the benefit of nostalgia or you know whatever else that makes it yeah. like so it's like you can always add more but you rarely lose something does that make sense nostalgia is a strong uh strong um emotion for sure you know and i know for myself yeah when i hear stuff that i used to listen to as a teenager or even just 10 years ago or something it just means something special a little more than what um you know maybe something new that i heard or whatever until until it gets that nostalgic point then you're just like oh yeah i remember when i first heard that it was freaking awesome you know yeah or you find that one individual that was like that they actually got the album when nobody else did and then you're separated by years from one another and then you Oh, you like that band too? And you're like, shit, dude, I love that fucking band. You know, and it's like th- those kind of connections are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, you guys have uh you guys have had the opportunity to do a lot of very cool stuff over the yeah, years. One of, one of them recently was the uh was the Australian tour. Um just curious, is there anything left to do for incantation that you haven't done yet that you that you that is like on the list? We need to do this. Um, I mean, there's a couple of places that we would like to play that we never played before. Um, one is Paraguay. We owe Paraguay a show big time. I want to play Venezuela. Um, you know, there's been talks for a while and we're trying to work out doing something in India. Um, mm. They've been really pushing hard to uh, have us play there. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know. Basically, we're, we're, I mean, anywhere that people want to see us play, we, won't, we want to get a chance to play there. So that would be great. But, uh, I mean, as far as, like, overall, um, you know, things that we um, 
strive to do strive to do or whatever was um most of it was accomplished to some extent i That's honestly cool. i feel like everything at this point is kind of like gravy you know it's like the extra mm-hmm. added bonus it's like but it's a good feeling to know like you know everything now is like this is fucking awesome you know get to do this you know people still like it we're going here again we're playing this show we're doing this tour it's like all super fun because you know we've had a lot of the experiences already the first time around now we could kind of really just enjoy in a more uh casual um you know ready to kill people kind of way instead of um you know the the um spectacular first time of accomplishing everything it's like it's great now to be able to play you know say a festival with um you know a a ridiculous amount of people like thousands and thousands of people and to be to the point where you just like you just go on like you're playing the local bar you know you're just ready for the assault you just out there you're just like you know but to be fair we have the same concept regardless if we're playing a small show or a big show is you know everybody must die you know it's like it's all out assault uh, on what we do and it doesn't matter if it's if it's a packed house or if it's a barely you know say it's an empty house even you know there's 10 people there they still deserve the same show as Mm -hmm. 10,000 people uh, show like every person that pays to come see us play deserves 100% of our talent and attention at the show that we should it shouldn't be like oh well turnout's not good enough we're you know we're gonna call it in or something now that that's not acceptable because no. no. it doesn't matter if people pay and go out of their way to come to our show they deserve 100% yeah I mean there is some fanatical levels of devotion uh, that is just mind-boggling to me. We were in uh, Leon, Mexico, and there was a guy. He came from Chihuahua to Leon. It was a twelve-hour train ride. You gotta be kidding me, you know. And when we were in Pomerod, met a guy, and he says, "Oh yeah, it, it took me fifteen hours to get here." And you know, it, when you meet folks like that, it's like I, I remember the one guy that that came up and said something similar. It was like, "What are you drinking, dude?" Oh, uh, uh, I got this beer and I'm like, not anymore. And I took him backstage and I filled up a cup of, uh, I think it was Jim Beam at the time. And I said, if you spill it, let me know. If you finish it, let me know. I said, you know, just hit me up. And, um, yeah, he, he didn't forget it, you know, which is cool, you know, cause he'll, he'll end up writing you a couple months later and be like, dude, you remember that time you gave me a drink? And I'm like, yeah, but dude, you took 15 hours to get to our show. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I've never done that for anything, you know, except for maybe Australia, you know, and just it's mind boggling. So how could we not show that appreciation, reciprocate that appreciation? You know? Yeah, we do see that a lot where we'll play a show somewhere and people have traveled like a long way to get there, you know, and it's like it's super important for us, regardless of anything else, that that person leaves home feeling like that trip was at least somewhat worth it, you know, and. You know, I mean, we had that just the last time we played the UK. I think it was in Manchester. You know, people travel like eight hours and they have to like leave wow. after the show and get go to work the next morning, you know, in like this remote part of Scotland that they traveled from, you know, which is just, you know, you 
it, it makes you realize like, you know, these people really made an effort to be here. It's like, we need to make a real effort to give them everything we have because, you know, we're grateful for what they're doing, you know, that they're coming out to see us. It's not just, they're not just getting the pleasure of seeing us play live. We're getting the pleasure of getting it perform for these people that are going out of their way in their days, you know, or sometimes, like I said, traveling far to see us. This is something not to take for granted. And I see people, bands and stuff take it for granted all the time. And I, I don't, every time there's people at the show, I'm just like, you know, it's, it's on for me. It has to be the best. I have to give them the best because they took time out of their day for me and the band they have to get, you know, the attention they deserve and the quality I mean, they deserve. Even even when the uh, the set is over and everything, when we go into the crowds in order to converse with the folks, you should, you know, they they are almost in shock at the fact that we were even, you know, walking amongst them. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, well, you know, and, yeah, and we all just hang out and have a good time. And the thing is, is that it's not, it's not work. It's not a job. It's not a, you know, it's not a, a, a burden, you know, yeah. if anything, it's, a, you yeah. know, it's an absolute joy. Pleasure. So like, yeah. And you know, they get all excited and they want to talk to you about like maybe their own projects or maybe just bands that we all like together. And it's so, like those kind of interactions, you know, as brief as they are, are the same all over the world. And I, yeah. I value every single one of them. They're awesome. It's good times. I always enjoy it.
So there you have it. That was my conversation with the fellas in Incantation. The song you just heard was Invocation Katonic Merge 10. Those uh, track titles are confusing no matter what explanation they gave. And I understand their explanation, but it's a lot to say. So I hope you're following with me. Invocation Katonic Merge 10. There's parentheses in there. There's Roman numerals. You'll figure it out when you see it. All right. And you can see it this Friday, August 25th, as the album will be out on Relapse Records, available everywhere. Uh, I want to thank the guys for their time, for their conversation, for their explanations, for talking metal magazines with me and beard pain and all the other things that are actually related to incantation. I'm currently reading through that cover story from Decibel Magazine. So shout out to Albert and the people over at Decibel for putting that together. And I'm always happy to support whatever Incantation's doing. John and Chuck, as you can attest to after listening to that, are super nice guys. It's the second time I've had a conversation with John for the podcast. If you're interested, go back and listen to the last one we did for Sect of Vile Divinities. And go back and listen to all 13 albums in their discography starting now. If you start now, you might be done with the last one and start fresh with Unholy Deification Friday, August 25th. That is going to be it for this episode of the podcast, but you know the drill. I got to play you a song, and this one is from a band I featured before. They're a Belgian death metal band. They're called Carnation. They've got a new album called Cursed Mortality, and this new song is called Replica, and it's a little bit different, but it's still death metal, and it still sounds very cool. It comes from their album again, Cursed Mortality, which drops November 3rd on Season of Mist Records. You can find more information about that at their band page on getting it out to net where you can find plenty of other things about extreme music reviews, news, all the good stuff, but mostly podcasts. All right. Here's replica by carnation. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>